0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-ONE-HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on t- independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county.
2: Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. 7 at 7, weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about hockey and everything that's going on with the Golden Knights right now, as they are up in Minnesota. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review-Journal Golden Knights beat reporters. Uh, Joining me, as always, on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it going? How's this Tuesday treating you?
0: Well... Not a big fan of the wind, but I feel like it's starting to warm up around here. It feels like, you know, spring is around the corner. So, you know, I like, I'm a warm weather guy. So I, it feels like we're starting to get the playoffs almost around the corner here, as, as crazy as that sounds to say. It
2: definitely does feel that way. I also have joined, enjoyed the weather kind of taking a, a turn here. It's been really nice. And uh I'm really excited for what hopefully will be a really nice conversation on this podcast. We're going to talk all about the week that was in Golden Knights land, including a, uh, you know, not surprised, but, uh, interesting appearance by uh, a certain Golden Knights goaltender. We're also going to talk about how their rivalry with the San Jose sharks has evolved over the course of the past two years. And because, you know, it's never too early to talk about, uh, trade stuff. We're going to go over the trade deadline a little bit because it's about a month away and just kind of, uh, set up some things to look out for for the next little bit. Uh, But before we do all that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We very much appreciate their support. We are also presented this week by Brooke Linen. Uh, Also, if you guys could check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com, that would be great. And as always, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. Uh, thank you very much in advance uh, so since we last talked on this podcast the knights have gone three and one in the past week Uh, they won their sixth straight at one point on saturday by sweeping the sharks and then they lost one nothing to minnesota on monday which is yesterday as we're recording this on tuesday uh basically you know to put it mildly this team has been real good to say the least and there's a lot of kind of storylines that keep repeating themselves, such as Marc-Andre Fleury is good over that span. Uh, At one point, the Knights were number one in the NHL in points percentage before their loss to the Wild on Monday. Uh, The biggest snag, uh, honestly, was the fact that injuries look like they might be piling up a little bit for the team. Monday, Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo did not play against the Wild. They were both injured in Saturday's game against the Sharks. They did not practice uh, today, Tuesday, as we're recording this, so we're not uh, officially sure of their statuses for Wednesday's game against the Wild, but obviously not practicing is not necessarily a positive sign, Uh, you know, before we kind of look forward, Dave, and obviously there's not too much to discuss right now because we just don't know necessarily the severity or the timelines involved here, but... I mean, is there any way to, I guess, undersell, you know, Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo being out of the lineup
0: for any amount of time? I don't think so. No. I mean, it's two of your it's your two highest paid players. If we're gonna like try to quantify it with something, it's your leading score in in Mark Stone. I guess you could make an argument uh that Alex Petrangelo is your number one defenseman. I think there's some people in the Shea Theodore camp that, you know, would have a discussion about that. But either way, I mean you know, these are frontline guys. These are the guys that, as Pete DeBoer likes to say, drive the bus. So, it, I mean, I felt like Monday it was pretty obvious they were missing them. I, I don't think they played poorly, but they just, they, there was an element that wasn't there. Somebody creating some offense, something out of nothing. Uh, somebody being able to jump up in the rush and, and maybe, you know, create a play, create some chaos in front of the net. Whatever it might be that Petrangelo has done in the past, uh, I, I'm not going to, you know, say Minnesota didn't play well. They did, and Kapokainen I thought played very well. But I, I thought it was very evident watching the Golden Knights the way that they're constructed right now. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say they over rely on Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo, but it was evident how much they do uh, rely on those guys and how much those two shoulder a, a fair share of the load. Definitely. Well, we'll have to see if they play again on Wednesday, and if not,
2: whether they'll be available for the night's back-to-back in St. Louis on Friday and Saturday. Uh, But I want to go over some other things that happened in the week that was. One of them that was certainly interesting was the reappearance of Oscar Dansk on Friday against the Sharks. He made his first uh, NHL appearance since October 21st, 2019. He had been the team's practice squad goalie basically all season, but had not gotten into a game. They sent him down to the AHL basically to kind of, you know, get his uh, sea legs back under him because he hasn't played in a game period before that AHL stint since uh, last March, also in the AHL. Uh, So he got to start against the Sharks in the front end of a back-to-back in San Jose He stopped uh, 25 of 29 shots. Uh, One of those misses he would definitely like to have back. There was a misplay in front of the net that caused the Sharks to tie the game late in regulation. Uh, But the Knights ended up winning in overtime to give Dansk his first NHL win since October 27th, 2017. So we're basically talking close to three and a half years there since he had gotten an NHL win and uh, his Teammates talked a lot about after the game, how happy they were to get him that win because of all the work he has put in since then to help them out in practice, being on the practice squad and everything. And so he got rewarded ultimately. Uh, But, you know, Dave, I guess Oscar Dansk for now is the Knights' backup goalie
0: at this point. What did you think of his uh, first outing of the season? I thought he was fine. I'm certainly not going to stand up here and, like, shred the guy or anything. I didn't think he was, you know, like lights out. I didn't think he did anything, say, like he did the first year where all of a sudden everybody thought that he was going to be some potential heir apparent to to Marc-Andre Fleury or maybe he should have been the backup instead of Malcolm Subban. Like, uh, you know, he was fine and he gave them everything that they needed, you know, from, I guess, a spot starter, you know, somebody coming in to, to eat up some innings, eat up some minutes, I guess you could say uh and and he was he was right he had him right there four three and and until basically the ground ball that he went you know e six on if i continue the uh, the baseball analogies here um i thought he did enough you know to win but again and I, I without being like you know too harsh or anything like that like i think we kind of know what Oscar dansk is at this point in his career i i don't expect him to like all of a sudden morph into, you know, Jordan Bennington or whatever at this stage of his career and, you know, take a giant leap and and become some starter for the Knights or some other team. Like he's a nice, nice player. And I think he can, you know, give them some minutes here, you know, if needed. But I also think that there were some moments that, you know, probably showed why he's, you know, more of an AHL goalie as opposed to, you know, an established NHL guy at this point. Yeah. Interesting.
2: i Love the baseball analogies you're using, by the way, because spring training is going on in uh, Arizona and Florida right now. And it's getting me very excited for the baseball season. Uh, But one of the particular uh, baseball terms that you use that I love that I want to dig in a little deeper on is the term spot starter. Because I think that's an interesting way to look at it. If you're the Golden Knights, you know, have Oscar dance there to fill in. On the back-to-backs, of which the Knights still have several coming up here. As I mentioned, they already have that one against St. Louis this weekend on Friday and Saturday. They have another one uh, this month, and you could technically say they have a third one this month as well. They have one that's the last day of March, first day of April. So, you know, depending on how you could frame that, you could say that they have you know, three more remaining this month. if you're the Knights, is there a point, because Marc-Andre Fleury, as of right now, has started 12 of the team's last 13 games, you're willing to, you know, trust trust Oscar Dansk uh, more than in just back-to-back situations to give Fleury kind of some extra rest here? Or do you think that they're pretty much going to stick to the game plan that they've had so far since Robin Leonard's injury, which is we're going to play Fleury as often as possible without quite overdoing it. But, you know, we're not
0: going to put someone else in net unless we really need to. I think at this point, as long as Robin Leonard remains out, which he's not on the road trip right now, and despite what Pete DeBoer said on Friday, that seemed to kind of intimate that maybe at some point on this road trip that he could join them. He was pretty adamant about how, you know, Leonard wasn't with them at the quote beginning of this road trip. And then all of a sudden he shows up on long-term IR. So I, I I know that that gives them a little bit of wiggle room in terms of the salary cap for like, you know, when Braden McNabb comes back, which could be maybe as early as tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday against the wild, you know, but it makes you wonder like, okay, if Robin Leonard's on long-term IR at this point, how long is he going to be out? And if he's out, I feel like Marc-Andre Fleury is going to get the majority of the starts. It's not like I don't think they're going to all of a sudden alternate between Fleury and Dansk. But I'm kind of I, I pulled up the schedule here and I'm looking at this. And, you know, I mean, once they get back from the road trip, they've got, you know, two games against the Sharks, two games against the Kings, you know, there's a game against the Blues, two against the Avalanche, and you've got two more against the Kings. Uh, on the end of that is sort of the back-to-back one game with the wild. and So there's some games here coming up, nothing against the, the Kings, uh, and the Sharks. Sorry. But, you know, if you're going to put Oscar Dansk in there and try to, you know, eat up some minutes, I think maybe there's some opportunities there. I think the Knights have done enough work early on here, 16, five and one, that they've built themselves a little bit of a cushion. I don't think you want to go out and lose games, you know. But if you have to, if it's more important, you know, to conserve some energy, and that means you have to put Oscar Dansk in for a game, you know, and he's maybe not able to play as well as he did, as he did against San Jose. Well, all right, you know, you've 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 got some wiggle room there. It's not like a couple years ago where they had to, you know, basically run Mark Andre Fleury into the ground because he got off to a poor start and they were playing catch up. So in this sense, they've, they've done some of their early work here in the first 21 games where, you know, if they have to try to work in, you know, another goalie a little bit, uh, there might be some opportunities. But I would think for the most part, as long as Robin Leonard is out and as long as the other thing, too, as long as Marc-Andre Fleury playing as well as he's playing, I think he's going to have the, you know, have his name penciled into that lineup first.
1: At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't
0: take time.
1: Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to pull the covers over your
2: head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. Don't love your sheets? Linen has you covered. So Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg, and when they couldn't, they found Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products, they even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code EDGE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B R O O K L I N E N dot com and enter promo code EDGE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code EDGE at checkout
1: look for seven at seven local streaming news from the las vegas review journal find it on your smartphone at the rj app or it's available on roku tv fire tv and apple tv download the app and you're ready to go for seven at seven
2: yeah i think the you know schedule that you brought up and the opponents that they're going to face moving forward is really interesting so maybe Uh, oscar dance does not get in a you know non-back-to-back spot start this week because they've got the wild still again on wednesday and then the he's probably get one of the back-to-back with the blues but i could see you know them spotting him maybe more in those later series i think that is a good point as well as the one about them building themselves a cushion because they have definitely done that so far early this season Um, but speaking of those opponents let's talk a little bit more about one of them that the Knights played recently, and that, of course, is the San Jose Sharks. And the kind of uh, idea of where the rivalry is at uh, four seasons in seemed to be kind of an interesting thing to dissect coming out of that series. Uh, The Knights swept the Sharks, who, to put it mildly, have not been a very successful hockey team the last two seasons. Uh, The Knights are 3-0 against the Sharks this year, the plus seven goal differential, they are also 6-0-1 against the Sharks over the last two regular seasons. Uh, the last two seasons, of course, are coming after the fact that these two teams faced each other in the playoffs two years in a row. The Knights won once, the Sharks won once, and of course, the Sharks won in a, we'll say, controversial fashion, to put it mildly, with that Game 7 comeback Uh but really when you look at these two teams now Dave, and where they're at and where frankly I think both of them are projected to be at over the next couple seasons does this have the same juice that it did a couple years ago and
0: and will it have that kind of same you know life for a while here For me no I'm kind of with Jonathan March so on this but I'm not a fan and so my feelings on this I feel like are a little bit different and you know, I thought it was interesting to hear Mark Andre Fleury kind of talk about it, and and the way that he looks at it for sort of from the playoff perspective of it being one-one, and he still gets riled up. I, you could tell on that Saturday if if the Sharks had scored, uh, he was going to bust his stick or something. He wanted that shutout bad, and I don't think it was just because he wanted a shutout. I think he wanted to shut out the Sharks. I think you know, Mark Andre Fleury for years you know playing in the east coast and whatever rivals with Pittsburgh the Capitals uh, you know Flyers a little bit like he's bought into this San Jose rivalry with with his time here with the Golden Knights he absolutely does not like losing to them and i think there are there are some guys on that team especially the guys that went through both of those playoff series that are always going to feel that way and i 100% know the fans are going to feel that way but i uh, like the thing that changes about this is just these games don't take on as much importance anymore they're not significant in the standings because of where the sharks are versus where the knights are and yes obviously two points are going to be key you know for the knights but it's just completely lopsided it's an 11-1 3 in the regular season all time i think it's like 9 9 game point streak I think the Knights have it's like six zero and two or seven zero and two at the at the Shark Tank. I mean, for all of the the fun and the the blood and the guts and the the hatred and Curtis Gabriel and Ryan Reeves chirping before the games and then dropping the gloves at the start of the like for all of that and it's super entertaining and it's great. The actual results and the actual hockey is completely one sided right now, and so I think is as you go along here it runs the risk you know where you're not meeting in the playoffs and you're not playing important games against one another and so it starts to maybe you know lose a little steam you know that guy it you know that guy around the corner that's your rival you're always going to hate each other but maybe you don't cross paths as much and then maybe it just sort you know maybe it changes a little bit um you know you, you're not meeting at the you know, the schoolyard at noon and punching each other in the face every day. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm with March so on this in, in the sense that it just doesn't feel quite the same because of where the franchises are and, and sort of the Sharks, you know, turn for the worse and, and the way that that's changed kind of the entire complexion of this rivalry.
2: Yeah, I think the point that you made about, you know, them playing meaningful games is the key one for me to have, you know, these games no longer have a, a capital, you know, I importance, at least to me around them. Now, the first meeting between, you know, these two teams this year for me kind of carried that just because Pete DeBoer's first time back in San Jose. I think it would have been even different if there had been fans there. And obviously for, you know, valid reasons, there weren't. But if there had been fans to kind of welcome or not welcome Pete DeBoer back to the Shark Tank, I think that would have been really fascinating. But still, that's interesting. But, you know, these latest two are just like kind of another road trip for the Knights to take on these California teams that I think they've proven already so far this year that they're better than. And even last year, the first couple games they played seemed meaningful just because at the beginning of the season, we didn't know that the Sharks were going to fall apart. And, you know, you had Cody Glass scoring his, first career goal in his first career game. And that was pretty uh, exciting. And it was a national TV game and the atmosphere was electric and all that. And I just think that, you know, a lot of that juice has slowly just kind of gotten drained out now where you're not going to have these more interesting, you know, matchups going forward. Now it's, there's aspects of it that I think will always be there. I don't think uh, golden Knights fans are going to all of a sudden be, uh, you know, really happy to see Evander Kane, Anytime soon, but overall, it just feels like some of the air has been let out of the balloon, but who knows they still play each other uh quite a few times left this year, so there's still plenty of time for stuff to happen and passions to get to you but uh <laughs> yeah,
0: I know my friends in the Bay Area that are sharks fans. they still say they don't like the Golden Knights and they don't like the Golden Knights fans, and obviously, there are teams in a different spot, and it's easy you know for them to say that. But from that standpoint, it, uh, the fan bases and what's been established and sort of the the blood rivalry and in, in the three plus years here, you know, four seasons, uh, that's not going to go away anytime soon. I, I don't think, regardless of whether they're playing meaningful games or not, like you know, they play here coming up, and we're we're recording this on a Tuesday. They play in six days, you know, not quite, you know two game set here, and if there's fans it you know in t-mobile which we expect i don't know why they wouldn't there you know there were before there might be more i it's it's not going to be any less of a rivalry to them i can tell you that yeah that'll be exciting
2: to have fans back in the building for a uh sharks matchup it has been uh way too long because it has been a very long time uh since those two teams played each other in the uh, 2019-20 season they wrapped up their season series kind of early, which was one of the bummers when that schedule was first released. Uh, Well, I want to talk about something that's upcoming on this season's schedule that we haven't really talked about yet, and I at least want to get it out there so we kind of have a preview of things to come as things get closer uh, to us moving forward. And that, of course, is what I'm talking about, is the trade deadline and the fact that it is April 12th this year, so we're recording this podcast on March 9th, so it's just a little over a month away. Uh, I don't, you know, necessarily think we need to go over uh specific names yet or specific targets the night should be looking at. Uh but I think it's uh you know worthwhile talking about the circumstances that are gonna make this year's trade deadline really unusual for a lot of reasons. Uh one is the whole Canadian quarantine factor and the fact that uh, If the Knights were to potentially trade players with a Canadian team, any player that they send back to Canada would have to go through a whole quarantine procedure, which means it's going to be very hard for trades between U.S. and Canadian teams to happen. Uh, Another complicating factor is the standings this year because for the most part, I think the division-only schedule has kept a lot of teams in it this year, as is the fact that You know, we're still not quite halfway through the year. And because we're playing less games than ever and because of how the points system is set up, I think it bunches teams in the standings together. I mean, there are not a lot of teams just completely out of it. I mean, I quick eyeballed it the other day. And um, as of yesterday, Nashville, Detroit, Anaheim, San Jose, New Jersey, Buffalo and the New York Rangers. So that's eight teams are the only ones running at a point per game or less and not all those teams even have stuff to move so obviously more sellers could shake loose in the next month but there's not a ton out there right now and then probably the one of the other big things is the fact that there's not a lot of money out there as gold knights fans that uh, like to check up on you know cap friendly pretty often know there's not a lot of teams with a bunch of cap space to throw around uh 20 teams that i checked yesterday have less than four million dollars of cap space, the Knights are one of them. They're using long-term injured reserve, as you mentioned, Dave, with uh, Robin Leonard and Brad McNabb on there to exceed the salary cap, which means they haven't been able to do all their you know little call-up and call-downs that they did last year to accrue extra salary cap space. So they don't have a lot of room to maneuver. And so almost any trade that they're going to try to execute over the next month is going to involve money in, money out. Which, uh, to go to another thing, is going to be further complicated by the fact that there is, of course, the expansion draft coming up this offseason. And while the Golden Knights are not directly affected in that they don't have to give up a player to the Seattle Kraken, uh, any player that they would want to send out to try to create cap room would be subjected to the team they're going to to the expansion draft. So that has to factor into all the calculus, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's a lot to download and process, I know. But uh, the uh, too-long-didn't-read version of it is basically trades are probably going to be more complicated than ever this season.
0: Am I wrong about that, Dave? No. I think we've already seen that. I think we've seen you know some teams that have tried to almost get out ahead of that in a way. I think that was a little bit maybe of the Dubois and uh, lining and trade earlier was just not letting that, you know, drag out because Winnipeg knew it was going to be two weeks before they could even get Dubois, you know, out of this hotel room, let alone anything. And then obviously, I think he got hurt a little bit and, it, you know, it took however long, you know, to actually get him up to speed. I think it was almost a uh, mm. what's the word I'm looking for, like a warning to other teams. That's probably not the best way to, to phrase it. but um, you know, if if you're changing and you have, you know, all that quarantine stuff with a different team and you're trying to get adapted and acclimated to systems and a new locker room, like it's a tough, it's going to be a tough chore um, in a weird way. Like I, it makes me think a little bit of, you know, some of the things we've heard about the Raiders and like last year's draft. And, you know, they try to like change positions with guys and do all these different things. It's like it's just not the year to be doing this. So in a lot of ways, I, I'm not expecting any like blockbuster things, you know, at the deadline. Especially if you're trying to go across the border, I think we could see some things, you know, between the U.S. teams. You know, like you mentioned, there's there's a handful of of uh, of teams that at least at this point look clearly, you know, out of contention. I don't know if that means that they're going to be sellers at this point because I don't know how much they've got to really sell sell. Um, The one team, if we're gonna like really kind of delve into this, (laughs) that I think it'll be interesting to watch is Buffalo. Um for obvious reasons. I mean like the Jack Eichel stuff, but you know, just just the whole the whole situation over there and they've got a lot of talent and you know, whatever a quote unquote rebuild entails and and where do you start with that? Um, you know, I think there's gonna be a lot of teams that are calling up Kevin Adams and burning up his cell phone and trying to figure out who he's willing to move. Uh, But any team involved in any sort of trade, like you mentioned, Ben, yeah, I think it's just it's doubly tough with with everything else that that goes along with it.
2: Yeah, Kevin Adams, a rookie GM in Buffalo and certainly has got a fine mess on his hands uh, in his first year at the helm there. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be really, you know, tricky for I think the Golden Knights to kind of figure out the exact way to get something done to kind of thread that needle where it would actually work for all parties involved. And obviously that doesn't go just specifically for the Golden Knights. I mean, if you look even in their division, uh, the blues don't have a ton of cap space if they want to somehow load up before the deadlines over Uh, the avalanche have, I think a little bit of maneuverability, but not a lot. Um, And the wild have some, but obviously they're in an interesting position where I don't know if they're at the stage of kind of their quote unquote window where they need to be, going all in but um you know if we were to talk about something that the knights should be looking after or should be calling about um, i would assume that you know based on what we've seen and we've kind of talked about in the past one thing that would make sense for them to try to add is you know potentially a bottom six forward someone that could you know add a little bit more of a punch to either the the third or fourth lines which for the most part haven't been stellar this year, the third line has been plenty productive, but a lot of that is just kind of due to the singular efforts of Alex Tuck. Uh, is there anything else that you think they should be looking at, Dave, the Golden Knights?
0: No, not really. I mean, I just think it's a hard year for them to be looking at things that are splashy. Yeah, this this year reminds me much more of the first year and sort of what they could or should be doing at the trade deadline. And if I remember right, it was Ryan Reeves and Tomas Tarr. And Ryan Reeves seemed to be a fit, and obviously, I think Ryan Reeves is, you know, probably a good fit in almost any locker room, uh, just because of his personality and things like that. And Tatar wasn't, and I, you know, for for whatever reason, I don't know if it was locker room, I don't know if it was on ice, I don't know if it was, you know, an unwillingness of the coaching staff to play, whatever it might be, Uh, or he just didn't produce. Any number of things. But it feels like they're more in that situation where, like, don't they're rolling along right now? Like, why? You know, there's not going to be a Mark Stone type trade. They're not going to bring in, you know, a Robin Leonard type guy in terms of stature, in terms of a splashy move at the deadline. You know, for all the reasons we just talked about, the the salary cap. There's just not the room. You know, those guys aren't necessarily going to be available. There's not like a Mark Stone. I don't think on the market this year, unless you know a Jack Eichel becomes available. Um, but I think it's more along the lines If if I'm Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, and what am I trying to do is, you know, along the margins, along the edges, um, can you get an upgrade for the third line? Like you said, um, can you maybe at this point, you know, push somebody on the fourth line, uh, whether it's somebody that can solidify the center spot, you know, if you, if you feel like you're going to move on eventually for, hear here from Tomasz Nosek, uh, who's, you know, a UFA coming up. Um, I, I don't think, you know, like, okay, nor, like in a normal year, if you're not whatever, somebody like Alec Martinez would be an obvious candidate. But right now, the, the Knights are playing so well, they're not going to move anybody like that. Like, they're not going to make a change like that. It's going to be more, you know, do you add a piece? And at that point, what what can you afford? I don't think, you know, if we're going to, I know we said we weren't going to mention names, but I'm going to mention names. Just because they seem to be popping up around the league is available. So, like, if you're going to mention like a Matias Eckholm, like, I don't see how the Golden Knights can, you know, go do something like that without moving, say, Braden McNabb back or something along those, you know. It it, it seems to me if they're going to do anything, it's, yeah, you know, you're trying to fix the bottom six and add a little offense there. Um, Maybe you're trying to solidify, uh, you know, the back end adept defenseman or something like that, but it feels like they've got, you know, a a good fair number of guys back there that are, that are capable. So, you know, if, if I'm Kelly McCrimmon, I think I'm more in a position this year to kind of kick my feet up on my desk and let people come to me, you know, and maybe make me an offer, uh, maybe try to pick off somebody that's, you know, going to be in a bind because of, uh, Seattle and, and looking ahead to that, uh, I just anything splashy at this point, I I, I would be I would be stunned. No,
2: I would as well. And obviously you mentioned, you know, Ryan Reeves coming in and fitting in here very well. And Tomas Tatar coming in here and not fitting in. I think that's something that teams are going to have to weigh more than ever this year as well, because we're already seen with the Golden Knights because of this crazy condensed schedule. They're not practicing that often. So I think that would potentially make it tougher for guys to fit in here. And obviously there's the whole kind of COVID protocols of it all where these guys aren't getting together and getting to know each other over dinners or whatnot. It's, uh, I think, trickier than ever for guys to make that adjustment. But if the Knights do decide they want to do something, uh, they do have an extra second round pick this year and they have an extra third round pick next year from the Nikita Gusev and Nate Schmidt trade. So they do have some assets in their back pocket if they want to look. To do something like that. That's still quite a ways away. As we mentioned earlier. The trade deadline is not until April 12th. So they've got plenty of time to work the phones. And figure out what kind of deal they want to make. But it's always fun to talk about. And because it's about a month away. And uh, as Dave mentioned. Maybe some teams look to jump on it early. Because of all the complications. Felt like it was worth mentioning. But that's going to do it for this edition. Of the Golden Edge Podcast. As a reminder. We are sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are also presented today by Brooke Linen. If you guys enjoy listening to us talk, please remember you can uh, see our written work at ReviewJournal.com. And of course, you guys could rate, review, subscribe. Whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon.
1: one hour air conditioning and heating our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home so call 855-1-HOUR or visit onehourair.com Always on time, oh, you don't pay time. independently owned and operated licensed in their respective state or county
2: please check out our new seven at seven newscast weekdays at 7 a.m and 7 p.m get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the las vegas review journal
1: nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g